welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. You know, one of the things I love about um, you know, being involved in, in services is to see the way that God brings them together. And um, we're going to kind of hear a third message today because I think the, the message that came through the songs set a foundation. In fact, the words I wrote down, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I thought, oh Lord, if I needed like a kind of an intro to today, there it is. Um, and then to hear um, Kyle's testimony again and, and just the fact that um, uh, the love that he has for God, but more importantly, the, the love that God had for him and continues to has, have for him to um, be the trophy of grace that he is. Thank you for sharing, Kyle. It was just a, a perfect intro. So we're going to be talking about love. <clears throat> Big topic, yeah, big God topic. Um, <clears throat> you know, there are many, many scriptures, obviously, throughout the Old and New Testament um, about love. And, you know, when the disciples asked Jesus, well, what, what's the most important thing? He said in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, it's really important. Paul in Romans chapter 8 says, Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Apostle John in John 13 verses 34 and 35 said that the world will know that we are his disciples by the love that we have one for another. I don't know about you, I find that still very challenging. They're not going to know by a whole lot of other things that we might measure ourselves by. The world is going to measure and determine whether we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ by the love that we have one for another. And then again, Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says that everything we say, everything we do, Every sacrifice that we make must be an expression of love. It's got to be an outworking of love. Otherwise, it's pretty much useless, says Paul. He said that, okay? <laughs> I'm quoting him. You know, so this, this the, the word that you know, we use, agape love, um, comes directly from the, the Greek agapeo, um, and it's the word that's used throughout the, the New Testament. Yeah, maybe you, you say, well, how am I doing in this love? You know, if it's so important, if, if the world is going to know that I'm a disciple by my love, how am I doing in that? It's really important that we understand that, you know, we don't compare ourselves with one another. We don't compare ourselves with how well somebody else is doing. We hold the scriptures up as a mirror. And we have a look in the mirror and we see whether or not what we, what we are told in scripture is a reflection of our lives. You know, there are 237 references to love in the New Testament. 237. And 73 of those are in the writings of the Apostle John. So 31% of the writings about love in the New Testament 
are by the Apostle John, which is, I guess, why he's called the Apostle of Love. Not that he was the only one, but he really had a revelation of what it was to love God. And so we're going to look today at um, some of his writing in 1 John chapter 4. And eventually we're going to look from verses 7 to 19, but we're going to take it in some, uh, some portions. So the first one, verses 7 to 11. Father, as we sit with you with your word today, Father, we thank you for your scriptures, but we pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, the living word, the living Christ would come and minister to our hearts. Lord, make it alive. Lord, as Kyle's already said, that it would go from our heads to our hearts. Lord, that we would be transformed by the Spirit of God from being with you today. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. There's a lot of love in those verses. There's a lot of love in those verses and some really challenging things. You know, everyone who loves knows God says the Apostle John. So how do we know who God is? Like, How do we know who we are? It, it comes through this interaction with the living Christ through whom we live. In John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does... The Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. When Jesus was walking the earth, he knew who his Father was and who he was through face-to-face -face conversation and, and uh, engagement with God. He met with God. He saw what God was doing and he did in like manner. Conversations face-to-face -face and characterised by joy is what we've been created for. And God's made provision for that in the very way he's created us. He has put a certain part in our brain called the right, pre, uh, right orbital prefrontal cortex. So it's just back behind your right eye. And it's called the joy centre. It is the only part of our brain that never loses its capacity to grow. It's also the only part of our brain that isn't there at the beginning. So when we're first born, we actually don't have a joy center. It grows um, in response to real joy-filled relationships, authentic bonded relationships and attachments that show real joy. Joy that says, I am delighted to be with you. You just see a mum with a new baby, or a grandma, that's me, 
with my new babies. And um, just that, the joy of looking into the baby's face. And initially, you kind of just get a pretty blank kind of stare back. There's not too much comes back. But, you know, I've got a, I've got a granddaughter um, who's five weeks old now and already... She responds. She responds to my voice. She responds to looking in my face where when she was first born, I didn't see that. I just wanted at this point too to say thank you so much for so many of you who prayed for my daughter Hannah um, and our baby Estelle. Um, my daughter's doing really well and um, I'm, we are so grateful and was so aware that um, people prayed for her through a really difficult time. So thank you. So this joy center then means that our joy strength can continue to grow and develop. It's something that can continue to grow throughout our lives. And these bonds that, that come are the connections that energize us, they motivate our actions, and they establish our identities. The receiving and giving exchange in our bond shapes our view of what reality is, is actually like and what's really important. And we form these bonds with people, as from babies through children and with one another. But we also form these bonds with God. With God, we're designed to form an eternal attachment that's personal, that's, that's sticky, kind of you know, like permanent glue, but even better. Um, a, a, an attachment that's secure, that's joyful, that's intimate, that's peaceful, that's restful. And through this, we engage with God and get to know who he is and because of that, who we really are. The more we experience and know who we are, that is, who God actually created us to be, the more we can love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and the more we can love others. So our relationship with God and our relationship with others is all about love. Let's have a look now at verses 12 to 16. It says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected or matured in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So what does this abiding love practically look like in our lives? You know, what John is describing here is a bond of love, a love bond. And love bonds are formed around healthy desire, around joy, and seeking to be with people who are important, with us, uh, important to us. These love bonds motivate us to live in truth, closeness, joy, peace, perseverance, kindness, and authentic giving. All those things that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter, four, uh, chapter 13, verses 4 to 8. You know, when people share a bond of love, there's a special kind of energy that flows between them. 
As their eyes connect, there's a sparkle that energises both. They look forward to being together because they desire the special closeness that they share. Those love bonds are the very things that God wants us as his children to experience with him, but also with one another. You know, one way that you can tell that you're love bonded in a love bonded relationship is by the way you feel after you've been with that person. If you generally feel content, energised, secure and confident after being together, it's very likely that you have a love bond. Love bonds tend to empower and bring the best out in us. They motivate us to remain faithful under pressure, to help others to be all that they were created to be, to be willing to endure pain in order to be close to those that we love, and to tell the truth even when it hurts. We think about how God sees others, and we're not controlled by fear because we know that there's always something more important that demands our attention and our devotion. So let's have a look now at verses 17 to 19. It says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. There is some great news in those verses. There is no fear in love because mature love, perfect love, casts out fear. But John also tells us that there is also an alternative to that. And that can be that there can be fear. There can be fear bonds and these involve torment. You know, fear bonds are formed around avoiding negative feelings and pain. They energise people to avoid pain. Pain like rejection, shame, humiliation, abandonment, guilt, even physical abuse. When the shared bond between people is governed by fear, anxiety builds as the time approaches for those people to be together, or it can develop from them being apart. If you typically feel anxious, tense, confused, or drained after having been with a person, chances are that that relationship is based on fear bonds. And they typically revolve around three major areas of fear. Firstly, fear of rejection. The kind of thing that makes us say, I have to do everything I possibly can to make this relationship survive. We believe lies. We believe lies. And that brings fear. So fear of rejection, fear of anger. The kind of things that makes a person say, I can't stand having anybody angry at me, so I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that doesn't happen. That's based on fear, and that's not a healthy way to live. And the third major area is the fear of being shamed. 
the kind of thing that makes us say, I can't let anybody see my weaknesses or faults because I will be ashamed. You know, the fear bonds or the love bonds that we experience in our formative years determine the way that we motivate ourselves. When fearful, we threaten ourselves with, we'll, with what will happen if we don't, and you can fill in the blank, if we don't get to work on time, if we don't lose weight, if we don't save money, if we don't keep our partner from getting mad, and whatever else it might be. Those things are based on fear. We think about the things that could go wrong. We worry, we feel guilty, we run from shame and we blame others. It's not very surprising. Go back to the very first two people. Didn't they do exactly the same things, experience exactly those same things when they failed to love disobeying him in the garden? They felt shame. They tried to hide from God. They blamed, well, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent. Yeah, we know that one. We shouldn't be surprised, but we don't have to live there anymore because of Christ. You know, the really sad thing is that we can also live in a fear bond with God that we're not good enough, that we haven't done enough that we are involved in a relationship with God to avoid judgment and punishment, to escape hell. And that's torment. That's the kind of fear that brings torment, never knowing or experiencing that we are actually loved and accepted, even though we know that the scripture says it. There's lots of stuff that we know up here that we haven't actually experienced in our heart. How would we be likely to want to spend time with God if we are motivated by fear bonds? You know, if we have a daily devotion just because we're scared not to, rather than actually running to have a face-to-face -face conversation with the God who loves us, with the God who wants to speak to us. We might do the same things. Our behaviour might look similar on the outside. But what's happening on the inside and what's motivating us can be so, so different. How much joy are we going to experience in a relationship with a God that we fear? Not the proper fear. Not the holy awe and reverence. And what's our heart going to look like? You know, 17 years ago, that was me. I'd been a Christian for 20 years. I was saved. I was absolutely saved. I loved Jesus with as much of me as wasn't broken. <laughs> and there was a lot of brokenness inside of me. And I saw God as my judge. I never felt that I was going to measure up, that I was good enough. And that was despite hearing from God, him speaking through the scriptures, him leading you know, my husband and, and, and with our family to you know, go to Uganda as missionaries for, for nine years. Um, we loved God with all our heart. Our whole lives were devoted 
to loving God and serving God, but I feared him in the wrong way. I had a fear connection with God. And in God's mercy, and Kyle spoke of God's mercy, it so resonated with my heart. You know, in God's mercy, he allowed me to completely break down. Um, coming back to Australia, um, we were leading a, a church and, um, yeah, the pastor's wife had a complete breakdown. Um, failing in my marriage, failing with my family, didn't want to go to church, definitely didn't want you know, to be a pastor's wife. That was one of the best things after getting saved that ever happened to me because God got down to those foundations and instead of having a foundation of fear, he reset a foundation of love where I came into a real-life experience with God himself. Because that's not the way God wants us to live. That's not what he has for us. So how do we grow in love? How do we mature in love with the result that fear, with its consequent torment, becomes less and less in our lives? Well, I just want to share two ways today that I think we can do that. First, we can grow in and cultivate joy. You know, joy is like a muscle. It grows when exercised. I know about muscles and exercising. I've got four boys <laughs> um, who, you know, like to wear smaller shirts after, after the... <laughs> Sorry, Scott. <laughs> Um, but joy, joy can grow. And there are many ways to grow joy. It's a very scriptural thing to, for us to do. You know, the, we're told that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, we need to make joy a priority in our lives. And I found a way that's a re an easy way, a scriptural way that anybody can actually develop joy, and it's through developing a lifestyle of appreciation. You know, I love it when uh, your know, Pastor Scott opened his prayer. It's a prayer of thankfulness, of gratitude, of appreciation, because that's what we're called to as his kids, to develop a lifestyle of appreciation for God, for his world, for his people. You know, appreciation is more than saying thank you. It's, it's experiencing a sense of gratitude, of gratefulness with our whole mind, body, brain, which actually releases hormones. God has done this so that it releases hormones that affect our joy levels, our sense of peace and well-being, and our desire to bond and attach. Isn't that just like God? That if we, if we will if we want to engage with him in gratitude and appreciation, it sets up a, a circuit in our brain that makes us want to do that even more. It happens with people as well. If we will genuinely appreciate one another, we will desire more and more to be with that person, to bless them, to love them. So it occurs with people and with God. And appreciation involves remembering when we've experienced something that we're really grateful for, of recalling that, reliving that memory, not just, oh, yeah, I remember, but actually sitting in that memory and remembering what it was like, what did it feel like in that time, and then to verbally express our appreciation to that person or to God. The exciting thing with God is that this can help us become aware of his presence, to actually see his face. 
you know, we use this term at times, don't we? You know, the, the presence of God. We want, we want the presence of God. But, you know, you can be in somebody's presence and not see their face at all. You know, you could be in a huge auditorium and you're in the presence of somebody, but they've got no idea that you're there. It's not like that with God. In fact, in the Old Testament, there is no word for presence of God. There's no word. You don't find it, even though we'll find it in our English. But when you go back and look what the Hebrew word is, it's actually his face. And that just says something really different to me. Because to see somebody's face, you've got to be closer. You have to be aligned sort of face to face so that you can see what's happening. And appreciation helps us come face to face with the God who loves us, who's the source of greatest joy for us. And it opens the way for that um, kind of intimate, personal, real-time engagement with God that Jesus had when he went to be with his father. His father wasn't some presence out there that spoke from afar. He had an intimate relationship with God. We, we're spiritual beings in human bodies. We're spiritual beings in human bodies. And once we're made alive in Christ, we've got to hear from God. Scripture says that his sheep hear his voice. We have to hear from God. It's not necessarily an audible voice like maybe you're hearing mine now, but it's a hearing in the spirit. It might in, in, involve be a sense of what God is saying. It might be an impression that he gives. It might be a picture that he gives. It might be words that suddenly come to our brain that we think, where did those come from? They, that doesn't kind of sound like me. Um, it might be that he quickens particular scriptures to us. After I'd broken down and after God had started putting me back together again, as part of my journey, um, I became aware of this. And I thought, I wonder what would happen. So for 30 days, I, when I first woke up in the morning and last thing before I went to sleep at night, I practiced appreciation. So I would lay in my bed and I would, with God, go through a number of, you know, just all different kind of memories that I had that I've you know, got little, little labels for so that I know what that memory is and I re-engage with that memory and I engage with God over it. I did that morning and night for 30 days. And the effect for me was it completely transformed the default setting of my brain. I was a fairly pessimistic person. I was the kind of person that woke up thinking of the problems of the day. Um, you know, what, what are the things that are going to go wrong? Um, I haven't for years now. I wake up, be it in the morning when I'm due to get up or even when I wake up in the middle of the night at times, I wake up so aware of God's presence with me because gratitude, heartfelt gratitude, relived gratitude positions ourselves to be able to see the face of God. God doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, it's not like it brings him on the scene. What it, God, he's Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is always with us. He says he will never leave us or forsake us. But we're not always aware of his presence. Gratitude and appreciation is a way to help us become aware of his presence. 
So I'd commend that to you. I don't know what you know the new year's going to bring for you, but if you feel that, I mean, it, it's such a scriptural thing to do in everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul says, take time, morning, night, middle of the day, any time, don't limit, to practice appreciation and become aware of God's presence with us. The second way that we can grow and mature in love, I think is what Paul speaks about in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. And he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There is so much in those verses. Um, it might be some verses that you want to go and sit with God um, with over this coming week or over the time of, of prayer and fasting and see what he wants to show us. But, you know, transformation doesn't occur by an act of our will. I hope we know that by now. We can't will ourselves to have our hearts transformed, to have our minds transformed. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean that our will isn't important. Our will comes in by choosing to position ourselves to receive what God wants to give us directly from him. That's where our choice comes. We choose to position ourselves to be able to receive. You know, he says we can come boldly before his throne of grace to receive the grace and mercy that we need in time of need. To receive. Which means that we need to come with open hands, not holding any other stuff in there so that we can actually take what it is that God wants to give us. You know, last... Uh, Earlier in the year, we looked at the book of Galatians. The whole, really, the, you know, the, the story of the book of Galatians is that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He will. He will. He started it. He'll do it all the way through. He'll bring it to com completion. So how do we receive from God? By believing and trusting that he wants to give good things to us. Is that in our heart? Do we believe that God wants to give good things to us? Do we anticipate? Do we expect to receive from him? Do we humbly come and present our hearts to God, seeking and waiting, seeking his face? Not a zap from heaven, but that intimate relationship with him whereby we are transformed because the living word is in us. He is alive. He is alive. 
So what can that look like? Well, I'm just going to share some examples from my kind of you know, past week, couple of weeks. So when I sit for appreciation, um, I've got some favourite spots that I just like to sit. And often I can just look out of, of my windows. But learning to be actually present with that, to actually appreciate what I see in my garden, the birds that God brings in, the sunlight that streams through the window, to actually thank God, to appreciate those things, to appreciate the beauty around me, to remember people who are precious to me and times that I've spent, my husband, my children, my grandchildren, my church family, as I bring different people to mind and see their faces, just that, that sense of joy that comes as I appreciate them. And I appreciate them with God because sometimes he'll show me extra things um, that I've never seen before or he'll sometimes at that point even quicken um, something that I, that I need to, to pray um, about them for. You know, even as we... I don't know if you've ever... You know, as you've thought about somebody that you really love and really appreciate, you find you start smiling. Like a smile just you know, comes to your face as you... Um, remember them as a gift from God that they are to, to you. You're remembering God's goodness to us in the past, remembering some of the situations that he's brought us through, remembering the day of our salvation. It's a place I go back to very often and I can remember it more clearly every time I go there now, that very moment that God's spirit came and forgave me of my sins, and washed me clean, and came to live inside of me. And I'm so, so grateful. Anticipating his provision and guidance for me, and being intentional about that. So, um, in a very relational kind of way, appreciating God. You know, sometimes um, I sit and ask God if, he wants to, if there's anything he wants to show me. That might seem quite normal to you, but see, I, don't, I don't have a very good visual modality. I can't see pictures. So I can't, like, close my eyes and make a picture in my brain, um, much to the, the um, frustration of my husband, <laughs> who's got great you know, visual modality. So when God shows me things and shows me pictures, when I see pictures, I know it's him, because I actually can't do that. And one of the ways God does it with me is he, sh he shows me cartoon pictures, he shows me little cartoons. Um, and I was sitting ministering with somebody um, one day and always engaged with, with God as well. And he just gave me this picture out of the blue. It was a picture of uh, like a great big flower with a big pink center, yellow around. And there was a bee. Like, like, so it, imagine cartoon, okay? There's a bee with its head stuck down into this flower, like digging its little head in. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, God, what are you showing me here? Anyway, the bee pops its head out of the flower, looks right at me and says, this is so good, and puts its head back into the flower again. Well, I mean, I burst out laughing in the middle of a kind of session, you know, ministering to somebody, but she understands, so that's okay. That shouldn't be so unusual. It might seem a bit weird, and it was a bit unusual for me at first, but didn't Jesus explain the kingdom of God to us through pictures? Through parables, word pictures, things of everyday life, it shouldn't seem unusual 
that God might use things like that to speak to us about his nature, his character. Um, just the, the, the joy that this little bee had in getting his head into the good things of God, you know, the good things he had, pollen all over him. And it, what it said to me is, is, is that my attitude? Am I burying myself into God and think, this is so good, you know, and, and being really messy in the process? You know, sometimes I journal uh, my conversations with God. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, just as I feel God's you know, showing me something, I might write those things down. Sometimes I use a more specific format um, that we call a manual journaling. And I just want to share um, so on Sundays, um, after the service, there's been a small group of us meeting together just to practically do what I'm talking about today, just to um, learn how to uh, express appreciation, um, be with one another, hear from God, um, journal things that God's showing us. And one of the ways we do it is just to ask God some questions um, and just to listen to what he might say. And so I was in a, a group here with a bit, four of us, and um, I just said, Jesus, what can you see? And then I just waited to, to, to sense what, God, what, what Jesus saw. And I wrote down, and this is Jesus, what Jesus gave me. I can see that you're burdened. That was very true. So I asked, what can you hear? And I felt Jesus say, I can hear you rehearsing all the things that you need to remember. I said, God, do you know how big this is for me? And he says, I see that this is important for you because you love these people and you want to serve them well. I said, Lord, are you glad to be with me? He said, I'm so glad to be with you in this. I love your heart to bless others and I'm with you. And then the fifth question I said, can you, can you help me? Can you help me? He says, I can help you. He said, give me your burden and take my yoke. We can do this together and I will give you all that you need. I share those examples not because that's what it might look like for you, but just to kind of practically maybe just give you a little insight into kind of what it looks like for me and, and just the, the different ways that I engage with God. So how are you attached to God? Do you have a personal, interactive, real-time engagement with God based on the experience of knowing that he's always there and he is so delighted to be with you? God doesn't put up with us. God doesn't just put up with us. He is delighted to be with us. I have never... Since I have learned to engage with God like this, I have never engaged with God where I have come before his face and found him frowning at me, found him expressing his displeasure. He has always, there's always been that sense of such joy. He's so glad that I've come to him. Now, we might get onto some stuff that I need to hear and there's correction that I need and there's change that needs to happen, but he's so delighted to be with us. How easily can you become aware of God's presence with you? Is that your default? Do you have a way of easily 
in any situation, really good times and really hard times, how easily are you aware of his presence, of his face? Do you chat with him about the good things and the difficult things in your day? Not necessarily a formal, on your knees, hands together, dear God kind of chat, but the on, as you go, as you walk, as you sit, as you lie down, as you, you even engage with the people in your life. Are you getting the answers that you need from him? Because that's the kind of relationship that he's wanting to have with us and so much more. Something that is personal, intimate, real time because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. I'm going to ask Leanne to, um, to just come and help us right now. She's just going to play quietly. If you will... Thinking back over what we've talked about today, about love, relationships that need to be built on love, on love bonds, but the fact that there can be fear bonds in our lives that we need God to deal with. I wonder if you just tuck yourself away with God, however you do that, and just ask him, how, how do you see our relationship, God? And listen for what he says. Again, not necessarily an audible voice, but just a sense of God's spirit. We are spirit. His spirit will communicate with our spirit. How do you see our relationship, God? We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.